All righty. Good morning, everybody. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Beautiful pre-spring day here in the uh, metropolitan New York area. It's nice to get some warming up. And uh, speaking of warming up, we got a lot of things going on, Wiz, as we head into free agency in the NFL. How are you today? I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, and, uh, yeah, a lot of stuff happened since we last talked. Uh, Dak Prescott actually uh, was not franchise. I mean, he was franchise tag, but uh, they uh, they worked out a, a four-year contract. Talk a little about that. And then uh, yesterday came across was the day to, um, you know, the last day to, you know, tag uh, players on your team, give them the free agent tag, and uh, some surprises on players which were tagged and some surprise surprises on which players will let go and will be uh, testing the uh, the free agent market. So we're going to talk uh, about all of that stuff. Yeah, I think, you know, you, you look at the situation. One, one of the things that did come over, uh, it was either last night or this morning, was, was the salary cap uh, in terms of the size of the salary cap this year, uh, which was a little bit lower than the previous year, which was the expectation uh, coming off of COVID and, and the season where fans weren't in the stands and expected to jump a lot next year again. So there is going to be some strategy involved with some of the teams in, ter- in, ter- in terms of, how they're going to contractually obligate themselves to certain players. There are certain players that are going to have to also make the decision to say, you know what, better to be franchised now, and I'll work out, you know, when the salary cap goes up next year, I'll have the ability to kind of maneuver in, 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 a, in a freer structure uh, for the 2022 season. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you could see some players re-sign with their existing team. I mean, not with teams that they've... Um, that they did not franchise the players, you could see them coming back and, and signing a one-year deal, you know, with the ability for the player to become a free agent next year and that cap space and and uh, a lot of uh, a lot more room, salary cap room, and and that makes for larger salaries and bigger contracts. But you know, it's also a little bit risky, and um, there are teams that do have substantial uh, salary cap room. Uh, the Jets, the Patriots, the Jags at the top of the list, the Bengals and Colts. Uh, you know, the, the, those top three teams separate themselves. Then the Bengals and Colts, they separate themselves. And then there's a bunch of other teams are kind of around the same amount of, of money. But look, one way to may look at it is this is an opportunity for, for those teams that have the advantage of space to be able to get players that maybe they normally wouldn't get because they're going to have a real chance to uh, – to to offer much larger contracts and salaries. And you know, we talked a little bit about this uh, and, and kind of edge into the da- the Dallas Cowboy and Dak Prescott situation. You know, uh, there was some discussions about potentially, you know, letting Dak go and da- and Russell Wilson potentially being a candidate for, for replacing him. But, you know, I, I think the bigger story here is how this kind of fix, fit, fits in with the rest of the roster. Because, you know, there's been a history here um, where once you sign a player to these humongous deals and, and what, you, what you can do with the rest of your roster uh, remains in question. I think, you know, the Cowboys have a huge advantage, at least at the skill position. Uh, They have a deeply discounted player uh, in CeeDee Lamb, the rookie last year, uh, who who will elevate his game further this year. Um, I I think the one player that this potentially impacts for the Dallas Cowboys for the future is is certainly someone like Michael Gallup, because the Cowboys are not going to be able to keep Amari Cooper uh, CD Lamb and Michael Gallup long term. It's just not going to happen. Now, granted, uh, 
Amari Cooper's older than those two players. I look at a player like Michael Gallup, who, yes, his numbers came off of that 1,100-yard season uh, in 2019, but we got to remember it was it was no Dak Prescott for the entire season, and CeeDee Lamb entered the, uh, entered the arena. So I think he's a player that's going to be of, of significant interest to a lot of teams in the NFL because I don't think the Cowboys are going to be able to maintain that player. So there are going to be, you know, r- right off the bat, you know, I look at the Dak Prescott contract as having impacts on this Dallas Cowboy roster. And, and, and you know, that might well speak the same of what the Cowboys end up doing at running back. Um, you know, obviously, Ezekiel Elliott is signed to a long-term deal. Um, Pollard is on a rookie deal still. Uh, no, I think, you know, when I look at Pollard and Gallup, those are two players that if I'm an NFL team right now, I'm watching very closely what happens with both of those very talented players because the likelihood that the Cowboys can kind of hold on to both of those guys is, is probably very low at this point. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, um, you know, the, the, the Dak Prescott, you know, contract is is very, very interesting because Dak Prescott, Dak, Dak Prescott got everything in that deal. He got guaranteed money. His salary is $40 million a year, signing bonus. And, and most importantly, he's going to get a third contract. It's only a four-year deal, and then he you know, is an unrestricted free agent again. So the Cowboys bumbled and botched that the entire way. And uh, with, I guess, a combination of patience on the Dak Prescott team and the uh, – and the and the just ineptitude on the Cowboys management team, uh, it worked out really well for Dak Prescott, and he's going to get another contract. So I don't know if he'll be a Cowboy for life, but in four years he will be uh, uh, an unrestricted free agent, and he will have gotten all that signing bonus and that guaranteed money and all of that. So and he's still um, going to be a young man. He will be a very he's still going to be yeah, and he's still going to get a third contract. Is uh, absolutely no question about it. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. I, you know, look, Cowboys have a lot of good weapons on offense and not much on defense, and their offensive line is kind of deteriorating through injuries and age and all of that. So, uh, yeah, they, you're right. They're not going to be able to keep all of those offensive players, and they're going to be some tough decisions made. And uh, like you said, rest assured, there'll be teams waiting uh, to see what ends up happening with those players. Yeah, because when you, I mean, just Michael Gallup, you know, when you look at him, do you see him? I've never been like super, super high on, on, on Amari Cooper. And we've kind of noted on, on our podcast uh, how the difference between Amari Cooper at home and on the road, how, how, how substantial it's been. You know, do you kind of view, you know, if you're the Cowboys, is there a potential that you actually part ways at some point in time with Amari Cooper to hold on to a Michael Gallup or a weak kind of sign sealed to delivered? I know what you think is C.D. Lamb, and I agree with you, but is Michael Gallup a better choice long term, or is it a situation that, you know, at this point in time, Michael Gallup, who's a talented player um, and has definitely made some unbelievable plays, including last year at the end of the season, he actually started being the go-to guy for, for Dalton towards the end of the season. So, I mean, I look at a player like Gallup, and you, you put him in, in a lot of situations in the NFL where he's, where he's the clear number two receiver. Uh, you know, that's a really enticing situation from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, there, there, there's, there's no, yeah, there's no, there's no question about it. I mean, he's right now he's only 25 years old. He's 
a young player, and he's, you know, there's no reason to to believe that he's not going to keep ascending. Uh, so yeah, I mean, they may have that decision right in front of them to look at between uh, Gallup and, and Amari Cooper, and it's uh, unlikely that they're going to be able to keep all of those players. The one advantage is that they still have Ceedee Lamb under that rookie contract, which which will help. But uh, yeah, and I, I don't. Uh, it, it's going to be it's going to be a tough decision. Uh, the Cowboys' window seems very small to me. That's the bad news. The good news is they're in a division that, if they could just get some semblance of a defense, uh, which I'm sure they're going to address in the draft, they could easily win that division. Probably the favorites. Um, and uh, and 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 I think that's what they're looking at with this contract with Dak. They still have. Um, CD Lamb on this rookie contract, so yeah, I think I think the window is short. Um, but I agree that the Cowboys have these players that they're just not going to be able to keep all of them. And uh, I, I think I, you know Michael Gallup is a player that I think they're going to try and they're going to try and keep. He's a young player, and uh, there's no reason to think that he's not going to continue playing well. All right, so you know when I look at kind of the fallout of, of what we saw yesterday, uh, and, and particularly at the receiver position, this is where I'm kind of there's a two part uh, side of what I'm kind of talking about here. So, three elite receivers, in my opinion, in the NFL: uh, Kenny Galladay, uh, Allen Robinson, and Chris Godwin. Those were the three big names that kind of we were kind of watching very closely. Two of them were franchise, and that's Robinson and, and Godwin, so they'll remain with, with the, the Bears and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, respectively. But Kenny Galladay is, is going to be a free agent, and, and no question about it, the best name at the wide receiver position. And so, But after Galladay and the result of what happens with Godwin and, um, and Robinson, and I, a question I have for you is, what does this mean for the, the, the other solid receivers that are out there? I think Juju is one of them. Will Fuller's an interesting guy. You can make the argument, again, a little bit lesser in terms of, I think, how he's viewed. But Nelson Aguilar as well, who, who did have a very strong season for the Raiders. So how are you thinking? Corey Davis as well, right? And, and Corey Davis, yep. So how are you thinking about, like, what took place here? I mean, the Allen Robinson situation, you know, that's a really sticky one because – they don't have a they don't have a quarterback yet in in Dallas in in Chicago. Uh, and there's lots of rumors still going around about them trying to bring uh, Russell Wilson into camp. So so uh, at the receiver position, uh, you know, is this a one year situation for Robinson? Uh, what do you think of Godwin? And obviously Galladay to me, you know my opinion of him last year. You know, and I think part of what you articulated earlier in the podcast. You had mentioned that you thought Galladay really was holding out. You, you thought he could have come back at some point in time last year. That really it became a point was why would he risk that when he's going to become not part of the future for the Detroit Lions? And and so kind of yeah, what are you seeing and how do you feel about this? You know, I I look at now. I know they saw the Lions signed Tyrell Williams, formerly of the Raiders, formerly of the Chargers. Uh, the rookie Quintus Cephas is there, but you talk about a full house cleaning in Detroit at the moment. You know, Jared Goff's going to be the quarterback. Not not ideal if you're Jared Goff. You thought you were going to be potentially throwing to Kenny Galladay, and that's going out the window at this point in time. Yeah, 
Yeah, so let me talk first about, before I get to Gallery, let me talk about the two receivers that were franchised. I cannot imagine that Allen Robinson is a happy camp right now. Uh, I've heard that they, they franchised him, they use him as a recruiting thing to get a quarterback in there or other players to come in there. I don't I don't think that's going to be the case because as soon as he becomes available to become a free agent, he, he's going he's gonna to leave. So I just think... Um, you know, look, the Bears uh, don't have many uh, solid offensive players, and they had no choice, I guess, I guess to franchise um, Allen Robinson. But I just cannot imagine that he's happy. But the one thing is he's probably going to, you know, it'll be one more year there, and then he's going to be available when the salary cap and, 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 and the space is a lot more. The teams offer him a lot more money. So I guess, it, you know, maybe he's not thrilled about being franchised, but considering what's going on with the cap space, um, it'll probably work out for him. As far as Chris Godwin, I, 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 do you ever watch the show The Bachelor or Bachelorette? Uh, I'm I'm not a big watcher. Uh, I'm I'm not. Uh, I mean, neither am I. But like, I, I kind of like. That's a Jimmy O favorite, by the way. Of it, like it comes down, and it looks to me like the analogy would be that the Tampa Bay Bucks were like the Bachelorette, and the two bachelors remaining were Shaq Barrett and Chris Godwin. And it looks like the bachelorette, the Bucks decided to say, yep, we're going to go with Chris Godwin. And, you know, that's the choice. It was as clear as day, the choice they they had between Barrett and Godwin. I guess Brady must have been the deciding vote there. But, yeah, I think uh, – I, I, I think the Allen Robinson and, and Godwin situations are completely different. I think Allen Robinson is going to be there for one more year, and he's not looking to do anything with the Bears uh, after that, and he's going to go no matter what. Well, I think the franchising of Chris Godwin is just to give them time to work out a long-term deal, and I think he'll eventually be a buck, at least for another contract, certainly, if not the rest of his career. So I think those two situations are different. What that has done for Kenny Galladay is – he is now in a clear, clear space by himself as the number one free agent. Uh, with Godwin and and Robinson, you could you know make a case where he was in that one, two, or three. Now there's a pretty big gap between him and anyone else coming out of available at wide receiver. So if you look at the three teams that have the most calorie calorie sap space, calories. Calorie space are the the Jags, the Patriots, and the Jets, and we know that the we know for sure that the Jags and Patriots are, are starving for receivers right now, and um, the Patriots, while they don't like pull a lot of money in free agency. The Jags, I think, you know, Urban Meyer, I think they're going to look to spend. They have a lot of space, and I think that could be one of the areas, and the Jets as well. So I think at the end of the day, um, for all three of those receivers, I believe Robinson will be available next year. He'll get, he'll get, a, he'll be a free agent when teams have a lot more money to offer him. Godwin will work something out long term with the Bucks, and. Kenny Galladay is a chance to get a good contract with one of these teams. So out of those teams, considering that the Patriots don't like to go for these free agents and spend a lot of money, which of those teams up top do you think are going to make a run at Galladay? Well, first off, you know, we know that the Patriots have decisions to make at quarterback, but 
I think Bill Belichick has shown you over the years and the Patriots uh, uh, basically bring, uh, their, their brain operation has not done a tremendous job at, at bringing in wide receivers, uh, especially in the draft. Um, now, obviously, they, they brought in Wes Welker, you know, Dion Branch over the years. They made a lot of use of certain players, Julian Edelman. But to me, wow, I, I, think, I think Kenny Galladay going to New England – uh, and again, if you think if you think that uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the quarterback there, which certainly seems to be moving in that direction, and I just think Kenny Galladay at New England would kind of automatically put them on the map on on offense because right now you look, you know, obviously one of the reasons why Brady left to start was because of him. That the Jets are are an interesting one because I'm still undecided on, on what the Jets are going to do in the draft. Uh, I think there's a couple of wide receivers that the Jets could easily. Uh, make part of their operation. Uh, there's a lot of discussion about the Jets moving out of that pick, uh, potentially with a trade for either, depending on what Carolina does in, in the Deshaun Watson situation or the Atlanta Falcons. There, That's being thrown around a lot. Uh, and the Jets could still get their number one receiver in the draft um, with a guy like Smith or Jamar Chase, depending on who they covet most. Uh, but I, I look at that those AFC East teams as being, to me, the most interesting setups for bringing in a wide receiver. Like Kenny Galladay. Yeah, I think I think uh, I think that would make I think that would make sense. You know, we we talk about offensive and defensive line. You know how it helps, and certainly it's something that shouldn't be uh, forgotten about. How it you know relates to fantasy value. You certainly want to have a running back on a team that has a good offensive line. So I, I just one is kind of a prediction, the other is kind of a, a question um, that I have for you because you talk about the situation uh, often. So the Packers not only decided um, not to tag Aaron Jones, they also decided not to tag their terrific center Corey Lindsley, who happened to play at Ohio State for Urban Meyer who happen to have a ton of cap space available, who are going to take a, who will take a rookie quarterback and to have a terrific center snapping to ball for that rookie quarterback. So my prediction is one of the things that the Jags are going to do will we'll sign Corey Lindsley um, from the Packers. But my, my question that I have for you is you talk about the Colts offensive line. We talk about it often, but you, you've talked about uh, Costanzo retiring. Lo and behold, the 49ers elect not to tag Trent Williams, left tackle, Costanzo, left tackle, um, Colts fourth most cap space. Talk about a hand and a glove possibly fitting together for a coach and a team that really desires and understands how important an elite offensive line is. Do you see that one coming into fruition there where the Colts have the perfect replacement for Sanzo and Trent Williams? You sounded a little bit like Johnny Cochran uh, in the OJ, uh, in the OJ days uh, with that, uh, with that glove fit. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I think that's an absolute perfect fit. No question about it. Um, and especially given 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 what they've decided, I think that's uh, you know in terms of the 49ers, I think that's huge, absolutely huge. Um, so you know they, if you if you could not tee it up any better for the Indianapolis Colts at this point in time, uh, who lost 
an, an elite lineman, uh, are going to be in a situation where Carson Wentz uh, is coming in here. And again, we know we know what he had to endure last year when his offensive line fell apart around him in, in Philadelphia. And the last thing, <laughs> the last thing the Colts want to do is go down that road. So uh, certainly a perfect, perfect fit. Uh, and and the Colts look, the Colts had a great season last year. Uh, they have elite talent on both sides of the football. Uh, and I think this is a this is a franchise you know that has swiftly corrected uh, you know losing losing a player like Andrew Luck and and I think they're not far away from from really being a Super Bowl team in the AFC and if they want to do so they have to make sure that elite offensive line stays intact and replacing a guy like Costanza with Trent Williams makes abundant sense to me. And another thing that I wanted to go over with you was, you know, we talk about how in fantasy football leagues, we feel that leagues and teams in the leagues don't pay enough attention to kickers and defenses. And there's a, a real strategy and research and a lot of that stuff goes into it. And when it comes to defense, the, the one thing that is, you know, maybe next to having a cornerback that can cover is having a big guys on defense that can rush the passer. I think that is that is that is an art that is just you know is, is gone. And my question to you is: there are four defensive players that can rush the passer. None of them are older than 28 years old. Shaquille Barrett, Bud Dupree coming off the injury, Carl Lawson that the Bengals decided not to tag, and a player that I just absolutely love who you could just see is getting better and better is Trey Hendrickson uh, from the Saints. So He, he was, by, know, by the way, he was their best defensive player down the stretch last year. He really, he really was. So you have these four players, and uh, Dupree obviously coming off that injury, uh, maybe he'll be discounted a little bit by because of that. But you talk about Barrett and Dupree and and Lawson and Lawson and and Trey Hendrickson. You have four players that can get after the quarterback, and if you look at a team like the Jets who are you know have that cap space and and really can use. Players that can get after the quarterback. Do you see the Jets as one of the teams that is going to secure one of those players? Uh, to, to, look, the Jets. You mentioned this about the amount of money that they have. They they have to put this money to use. Uh, I know you've mentioned Aaron Jones as a potential place here, but you know this defense. Uh, it has, has got to get better. Uh, they, they need, you know, look, they're going to be going against uh, some offensive talent in this division. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get better. Um, uh, obviously, the Buffalo Bills have taken it to a new level here, but they're going to need to get a pass rushing guy. Um, now, some people have suggested that there are, st- like Shaq Barrett still has some kind of deal worked out with the Buccaneers. Uh, I love Dupree. Um, and I, as I said to you, I, I think Hendrickson, I don't think anybody played better on that same defense winding down. I, I think he's going to get paid. And, and I don't think that, by the way, I don't think the Saints can pay anybody at this point in time, right? Aren't they just, the, the Saints are completely capped out, right? So the likelihood that they lose someone like Hendrickson is, is actually pretty high. No, they, they, yeah, no, they, they, he's, he's gone. He, they, they didn't, he's, he, he's gone, and they, they are last in the NFL as far as cap space. He's, yeah. he's, he's going. Yeah. He's going somewhere. And there are teams that, my goodness, he's 26, and last year was kind of the first year he got a chance to be a full time player, and he was almost. 
I don't know. He he looked unstoppable. Like he just was relentless, and uh, I think that would be a, tri- a terrific addition to any one of those teams. And uh, you know, we know the Patriots covered defensive players, but um, well, they got I a lot of guys. The Patriots, yeah. the Patriots got a lot of people coming back this year on defense, right? Yeah, last year, that's sure. Yep, that is true. That is true, but uh, it seems like they almost rather spend money when it comes to free agency on these defensive players than skilled position players. So um, I wouldn't be surprised that they don't go after Galladay as much as they desperately need him and go after defensive players. It's just been their, it's just been their way. But uh, I, I just think like these teams that have that space, cap space advantage this year can can do something, get one of those pass rushes. Now, do you think? Bud Dupree, when he was playing and healthy, as good as anybody in the league, is going to be discounted? Is somebody going to have reservations coming off that kind of an injury? Or do you think um, he's still going to be paid as if the injury didn't happen? Yeah, I, I think the latter. I mean, I mean, I think modern medicine has shown the ability of these players to kind of come back. And it was not a great injury that he had. But I, I think Dupree ha- has played extremely well. And I think teams will look at a talent like that and, and pay him regardless. So, uh, to me, Hendrickson out of the group that you mentioned, I think will be the most interesting option. And I think you've heard me talk about this already. I think the Jets, I, I would prefer to see them not waste the money. And, and I, I love Aaron Jones as a player, don't get me wrong. But I think building those that offensive line or building out that defense uh, or bringing in the receiver because they, you know, they, they're going to need some help there. I think those are more more predominant concerns for, for an organization like the Jets. And, and that's where I'd be looking to spend my money. And, and you mentioned all, all the players that you mentioned could certainly fit that bill. I, I think the way, like I said, I was most impressed with Hendrickson uh, as the year on last year. Again, Shaq Barrett, super talented player. Uh, but I do think he's got something potentially worked out out with the Buccaneers that's been suggested by by the people at Pro Football Focus uh, Mike Florio has suggested that pretty smart guy on top of his game uh, but but to get back to your original question yeah I think Bud Dupree I think people will look past that injury and say look this guy when healthy and when he's back is a is a is a terrific de- defensive football player in the NFL and you and you and you mentioned Aaron Jones when we were talking about the Jets and defense, and you said, you know, I, I do believe they're going to make a run in Aaron Jones. I just don't know if he's going to be his desire to go there. I think more likely he ends up with Miami, but just that's just my view. But, my, but the Jets, like we talked about, have that money to, to, to spend. But, you know, touching base on Aaron Jones for a second here, um, I'm reading, like, where the Packers are saying that he's in their long-term plans. Like, you know, uh, am I missing something here? (laughs) You're going to work out a long-term deal with Aaron Jones in the next few days, but when you've had the last two years to do it, you didn't do it. You didn't franchise him and then try and work out a long-term deal. You didn't franchise him. You didn't work out a long-term deal. But in these next handful of days, you're now going to work out a deal. Am I missing something or... Do you think it really could happen, or do you just think that is just something the Packers are saying to, for the sake of saying it? Yeah, I'm confused. I'm really confused about it. I, I it, to me, it seems, uh, I, I don't know. I, I may, maybe maybe it's lipstick on a pig here, but I, I, I just it it seems like a very confusing line that they're using. Um, I, I, I actually don't buy it, quite frankly, and especially knowing that they actually have a guy like AJ Dillon waiting in the wings. Uh, I, I think it's a position that you don't 
pay up for. And I think, you know, when you look at the when you look at the Packers, when's the last time the Packers actually paid up for a running back, actually? Uh, I, 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 I'm trying to think about it, and I can't remember. what. Maybe the only guy, who was the guy that uh, out of Notre Dame, um, they, they gave that kid a contract. Um, trying to remember the guy's name now. Uh, and he won him a 30, right? Um, I got to think about this. That's the one guy that got paid, I believe, and it didn't work out well, actually. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, try- yeah. I'm trying to remember that. But it, historically, I don't think the, Patri- uh, the Packers have done that sort of thing. So uh, to me, I, I, th- I, think, I, think this is a, I think this is a line of BS, if you ask me. Ryan Grant, right? Ryan Grant, that's it. Ryan Grant. Yep, very good. No, no, yeah, well, yeah, Ryan Grant. Um, I, so, uh, yeah, so I, 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 I agree. So if the Packers lose Lindsley and they lose Aaron Jones, um, are we going to see a happy Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> what, what's going to be the yeah, that's, response that, that, from that? I mean, uh, that's not a good situation, right? Like, and there's still kind of the, there was. I, I mean, I know he kind of retraced his steps a little bit at the end of the season. He was very, very down and down and out after that that after post game interview uh, when they lost uh, in, in the playoffs. Uh, and he kind of backed away from that, but you know, there's there's still there's still some. De- there's still some talent that needs to be added to this team, and certainly when you when you lose key offensive line line players, and then you lose your lead back, you know Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers is going to have something to say about it for sure. Yeah, I mean the the, the Packers are in the bottom quarter. I mean they're they're I'm looking at it right now. They're 25th in the entire NFL in available cap space. So. You know, Aaron Rodgers may get as mad as he wants. I, I just don't think right now the Packers can do anything unless those two players or either of them decide that they'll re-sign with the Packers at a discounted deal and then become free agents next year. I don't know because if another team is looking to give them a three- or four- or five-year deal, why wouldn't they take it with that team? So uh, I, I think I think the Packers are going to try and thread a needle that is not going to be able to be thread, quite frankly. Yeah, and, and look, this is, you know, especially I mentioned that point at the top uh, about the salary cap and what it's going to look like next year compared to this year, right? There were no fans in the stadium for 2020, uh, and that's been a big impact from an economic standpoint on, on the NFL and the salary cap. And next year, you know, I think there'll be a lot more fans in the stands w- when we come around to football in the fall. That's for sure. I don't think we'll see full stadiums, but there's going to be a hell of a lot more fans than we saw this year. And, and the salary cap will jump back up. So, again, some teams are going to have to make some strategic decisions. And I think in addition to teams making decisions, players are going to have to make those decisions as well. And we're going to definitely get into, like, how – not only the players grieving how that's going to affect them, but the players that are left from that team, you know, that where another player has gone to another team, case in point, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, you know, last year, um, last year, uh, I was talking about um, Juju Smith-Schuster, um and talking about that I didn't know, you know, really what was going to happen when, um, when, you know, when his contract was going to, you know, when it came to his second contract. And the Steelers made that determination um, 
that that they're gonna not gonna you know re, you know resign him. And when the Steelers drafted Chase Claypool, I thought one of two things: either they were gonna move Chase Claypool inside, forget about Ebron, and, and try and make him a full time tight end, or they weren't gonna give Juju Smith Schuster a second contract. And it seems to be the latter. And uh, we're gonna get into it, but now. Kind of like you know, we're gonna you know I'm not gonna ask you right now about wide receiver rankings. It's way way too early than that. But like a player like Chase Claypool is very interesting, right? Because now there's a clear path. But are we thrilled with the quarterback getting him the ball deep? It's something that as the second half came on last year, he he seemed unable to do. So I think it makes for the ranking of a player like Chase Claypool very interesting. Because the path is there, the snap count is going to be there, but will the quarterback be able to get him in the ball to be as an explosive as wide receiver as he's capable of being? I think if you, you remember, the, 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 the Steelers started 11-0, and and Claypool kind of started to show his stripes kind of in week four or five last year. Uh, you had that, I, I think the first opportunity was when Deontay Johnson actually got banged up and, and they inserted him in the lineup. He had a couple of games where, you know, he, he'd get a couple of touchdowns, one rushing, uh, you know, one pass. He had some unbelievable games in kind of that stretch between week five and week uh, 10 or something like that. And then, Chase Claypool and that entire offense, by the way, the play calling, and maybe it wasn't the play calling so much. Maybe it was the fact that Ben Roethlisberger just could not get it done anymore. And I think that's why there was so many question marks around Roethlisberger as quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, for the upcoming season. But that offense was a complete, and granted, they could not run the ball either, but that offense was a disaster to finish out the season last year. And Claypool disappeared from, from relevancy. Uh, I, I guess, you know, for me, it was more these like, like kind of little drop down passes. How many games did we see Juju at the end of the season where he'd get something like, you know, seven or eight catches for 40 something yards? Deontay Johnson getting like 15 targets, but everything was short. That's what we saw last year with the Pittsburgh offense in the second half of the year. Yeah, there's no question about it. So it makes it makes you like a player like Claypool uh, very interesting because you just don't know what you're going to get because uh, there could be a chance for a lot of inconsistency. And I know I'm jumping around a lot, but I just want to talk about another player that's now become available. And we talked about maybe Trent Williams and the Colts. And I'm going to give another player and team um, another kind of perfect fit because the team loves this player, this kind of player, and uh, you and I love Kyle Juszak because he just is one of these guys where his name doesn't you know, scream at the box score, but if you watch the 49ers play, he just does a lot of things well, and tell me you can't see Belichick waiting for the chance to offer that player a contract where they could use him as a running back, throw it to him in the flat, lead block for the, for Harris. I mean, what do you think about that one? Juzek and the Patriots as kind of a player organization fit. Uh, yeah, you know, he, he would fit, you know, again, any team that wants to run the football, he's going to fit that system. And I think Bill Belichick, at least in, in this current offense, uh, and, and given the depth that they, well, at least that they had last year at running back, it, it'll be a little bit different this year because I don't think James White or 
uh, Rex Burkhead are going to be New England Patriots in the upcoming season. But the Patriots would prefer in this current framework to actually run the ball. So, yeah, a great fit, high football IQ. You mentioned his pass-catching abilities. And he's probably the best blocking fullback in the NFL. And, and, and you noticed it, by the way, when the San Francisco 49ers did not have him on the field for, for, for games. And, and the offense actually struggled without him. So he's a key, key piece here. Uh, I think he'd be a fit on any team that wants to run the football first. We saw that last year, by the way. You know, I, we mentioned actually this pickup that I think it went unnoticed by a lot of people. But Andy Janovich ended up getting picked up by the Cleveland Browns, and you know, utilizing him at the fullback position and kind of fits into the same kind of uh, you know mentality. And fullback has gotten a little bit more popular. You've seen a few more guys pop up, but there's nobody better at it than Juice Check. So I think uh, I think a great a great fit anywhere. But again, a team that wants to run the football like the Patriots right now, uh, just a, just a great great fit. And I think that would really hurt the San Francisco 49ers, though. If if you saw him leave, I, I would kind of question uh, the ability to kind of them to do what they were doing running the football because uh, they definitely took a step back when he was not on the field for them. Yeah, he's available right now, so uh, we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out. And you mentioned James White. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, and I'm sure you wouldn't be surprised, right this very minute as we're doing this podcast, if James White wasn't catching balls from Brady and, and, and Brady's throwing a ball to Gronk and James White right now. Because if you look at what Tampa Bay tried to do, with like their third Keyshawn Vaughn, they even you know brought in, brought in McCoy. Um, don't you think that that one makes a world of sense for everybody involved? White, you know, coming over and joining uh, his boys Brady and Gronk with Tampa Bay. It makes perfect sense. Now, it is a crowded running back room. I don't know what they're going to do. Obviously, Ronald Jones is there. We know Fournette had a strong finish to the season uh, for the Super Bowl champs. Uh, you mentioned Keyshawn Vaughn. I, I think, uh, whatchamacallit, even though he's won two Super Bowls uh, back-to-back years, that's uh, LaShawn McCoy uh, without really stepping on the field. He's a good luck charm. That's about it right now. But um, James White, I think, look, this is a player that, Went, underwent a, a significant tragedy. He lost his dad. His mom was injured in an automobile accident this year. Um, this is a guy that should have been the MVP in the NFL, uh, so in the Super Bowl, uh, in that game that where they gave it to Brady, but it should have been James White. Um, but James White is still relatively young, doesn't have a lot of wear and tear on him because he's essentially more of a pass catcher than a rusher. Uh, yeah, Tampa Bay sounds like an absolute perfect fit, but we look at what guys did this past season. A guy like J.D. McKinney, Kissick, how important he was to that Washington football team offense, right? And James White is, is I, I didn't understand the way, I, I actually, you 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 kind of worried about it with Cam Newton there, how that was going to kind of work with James White. And, it, you know, he had a couple of games where he did something, but essentially it was not the same offense being run. James White seems like a perfect fit for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but I think anybody looking to kind of employ that Pass catching, uh, pass catching running back strategy like the Washington football team did this year. I and James White would help any team that's looking to dump the ball off uh, and, and and use that as part of their rushing game. Um, and I think he still has a player is still a player with a lot of ability. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, you know, I know Fournette played terrific, and Ronald Jones had his moments as well, but. Neither of neither of those two guys are ever going to be compared to Darren Sproles when it comes to catching the ball. And if you could bring in James White, who is one of these 
consummate team players who understands the game, understands he's going to be a situational player. And if you look at what's in that Tampa Bay running back room, it just makes all the sense in the world. So I'm going to go with Trent Williams to the Colts and Juchek to the Patriots and James White to the Bucks and Lindsey to the Jags and Aaron Jones to the Dolphins. Those are kind of like my five right off the bat predictions of free agents and where they're going to go. We'll see how it turns out. But uh, I think some of these things are uh, pretty likely to happen, in my opinion. All right. Yeah. And look, uh, we're excited. It's uh, what's the date again? Is it the 18th? You said March 18th. Yes. Yeah. So there's, there's going to be a lot of stuff that comes out. Uh, you know, we just want to make sure you're kind of sticking with us. We're going to continue to be talking about this. Uh, you know, again, player, player pro days, no combine this year, but that's something that we're going to be watching out for. But you know, the landscape, by time we get to the end of March, you have some clarity on a lot of these teams, obviously the impact on what it's going to mean for, depending on what happens in free agency, how teams approach the draft. So you're going to get a lot more, you're going to get a lot more of a foundation, uh, post the post the free agent period uh, as we head into the NFL draft. And uh, look, like I said, football preparation, it's starting now. It's 2021 football season is here. As a, as a fantasy owner, don't be like a Jimmy O who picks up a, a magazine a week before the season is going to start and he wonders why he hasn't won league since 2009. There's your reason. That's not what you want to do in fantasy football. I uh, agree, agree completely on that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you start getting into the season pretty quick. I mean, right, the free agents in another week, and then in another five or six weeks after that, the actual NFL draft, and then, uh, you know, OTAs start soon after that. It, it'll get into the season uh, relatively quickly, and it's important to stay on top of it and know what's going on and uh, have uh, a lot of preparation um, as you head into the new season. And if I'm not mistaken, I think we are exactly six months away from the kickoff, the official opening day of the NFL, if I'm not mistaken. i got to look again. Uh, but that's, that's, the, that's the reality of it. It's, it's March 10th, and by September 10th, we'll be kicking off the 2021 season. So six months goes very quickly. Uh, it's actually pretty hard to believe, Wiz, that we are uh, – this is the one-year anniversary this week uh, of, of when the shutdown began in this country. Uh, you know, we've been through a hell of a lot, Every, you know, the entire country. Everybody's been impacted by this in one way, shape, or form. Uh, certainly, uh, I think whether it's economically, ment- mentally, uh, in a health, in a health uh, situation-wise, it's been, it's been an unbelievable year uh, for the entire world. Uh, it certainly seems like there is a – a significant glimmer of hope as we're kind of turning the corner here. People are getting vaccinated. I think things are going to feel a lot different. Uh, the, the, the optimism that we have right now moving forward is certainly feeling, feeling very good uh, as we head into spring. So, uh, you know, it's been a, it's been an arduous and, and a very trying year for everybody out there. So we're hoping that everybody's staying safe and, and, and doing well. Um, and I think we're, we're certainly moving in the right direction. And, and I think we can look with it with anticipation of this upcoming season, upcoming season with a light, lot more excitement and positivity than we had going into last. Yeah, and uh, look, when we started this, you know, we just figured it would be something to do for fun and take our minds off things. But I'll tell you, I've been really happy with a lot of the texts and emails that I get, you know, um, 
there have been people who had just been starting out fantasy and they said, wow, okay, it was like a real learning experience. And, you know, they got listening to us and the thought process and it, it helped them and they feel like now they're going to continue to do better and, and really have an understanding of it and, and, and a love for it. And then not only that, even guys that have been in fantasy for a long time have said, okay, yeah, I've never thought about something that way or put time and effort into looking in defenses and kickers and what you're saying makes sense. So while we did it at the start for fun and, you know, to maybe take our mind off the things that was going on, I think that we're, you know, we're both happy that we've uh, people enjoy listening and most importantly, helping people love fantasy football the way we do. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And just to remind everybody, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Uh, we'll be coming to you again later in the week with some more information as we as we move along here. But uh, enjoying the ride and uh, enjoy the day today, Wiz, and uh, we will talk later on in the week. But uh, just make sure you subscribe, folks, because these uh, podcasts will continue uh, through the preseason. So uh, wish you a good rest of your day, Wiz, and we'll talk later in the week. Yep, you got it.